0: process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com.
1: Everybody, You're very welcome to a new episode of Redeciding, Redefining Cybersecurity here on ITSP Magazine. This is your host, Sean Martin. And as you know, I hopefully help folks try to operationalize uh, security in the business, not to just protect what they have, but to protect the growth as well. And uh, many of you know, I don't know if everybody knows, but many of you know I've had a role in delivering tons of products in the past and marketing them. And today's topic is one that I think we're gonna have a lot of fun with. Uh, and I have La- Laurent Hoszman on. How are you, Laurent?
2: I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs>
1: uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be loads of fun. Uh, we're gonna talk about building a product, and more specifically, a security product, uh, which you've done many times, and I've done quite a number of times as well. And uh, when I saw this post come across. Uh, LinkedIn from you, I was like, This is something we can have some some good fun chatting about and I, I scrapped the other topic, which we'll probably come back to at some point <laughs> um, but i but I think it's interesting um, I think how how we can connect this to operationalizing security in the business uh, when we're talking about building security products, I think it gives some insight into folks of how all security products get defined, built, to be used successfully, uh, which is not always the case, as you know, right? And uh, I think that's where, well. That's where, let's just get into it. So before we do that, though, uh, a few words about you and and uh, leading up to what you're working on now. Uh, obviously, we have we have a connection from the past as well. So maybe uh, a few few words from you, Laurent. About yeah,
2: thank you. you. So yeah, I'm, I'm Laurent Zaman. I'm um, 46 this year. Time is going fast. And uh, I work since 20 years in the cybersecurity business, always in product-driven uh, companies. Uh, I was in uh, engineering, uh, software engineer at the beginning, uh, then CTO of a firewall company. We are doing uh, IDS, VPN. Uh, Web filtering, all that, all this stuff, and uh, and then I founded my own startup uh, named uh, Centrio. It was in the IoT OT security, providing uh, visibility, security posture detection for manufacturing and utilities network. You know, SCADA system, PLCs, and uh, critical infrastructure kind of kind of network. And um, it was nine years ago, and uh, I just left that company uh, in April. Uh, the, the thing was that we, we've been acquired by Cisco in 2019 and I stayed for three and a half years to within Cisco to, uh, hook my team, hook my business within the group. And now I'm, uh, I'm back as a, as a free will, I would say in order to build something new. And I'm, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. So I, I like to, to build things and, uh, and create new products, um, in, in Europe and in the US.
1: Yeah, I love it, and uh, yeah, I mean, huge success with the uh, Centrio uh, offering, and obviously the the Cisco acquisition there, and couldn't have been at a better time, right? I think the that that whole space of IoT and OT was something that was very untapped. I think we see a lot more of it now, of course, uh, in recent years. But uh, so maybe uh, let's. I don't feel if you mind, maybe just a few words on uh, starting that and re- understanding what the what the risks were, the potential was. Because um, I think some of the things we, as you, as you present in the LinkedIn yeah. post, uh, it, it's, you might have a good idea. It doesn't mean it's going to be useful. It doesn't mean people will pay for it. It doesn't mean... It'll, it'll actually get used if it gets built and bought <laughs> we, can, we can talk about shelfware all day long, right yeah uh, so maybe maybe let's start there how how you came up with the idea and maybe how perhaps how you knew that uh, there was an opportunity there beyond just uh, succeeding in building something
2: Yeah sure we, we you know it's it's funny because most of the time people think that, you have an idea uh, one day, and overnight it's a it's a success, <laughs> which is not true. In fact, uh, you you basically need to follow a kind of process in order to discover if the idea worth something, uh, if there is a market, if there is a, a need. Uh, is is it solving solving some pains at customer side? And so yeah, I'm, I remember that in two thousand fourteen when we started, it was just about hey let's look if there is anything to do in the industrial networks. or we, we had customers in the past in manufacturing, in, in uh, oil and gas. And, uh, and we know that there was quite nothing, but we really we were really not sure what kind of feature, what kind of product they were they were willing to, to adopt. And, um, and so we, we, we end up building a, a white paper, a two minute video, uh, explaining what we were thinking about, and sending that documents to many contacts saying, well, guys, we, we are entrepreneurs, we are building a company, but we have nothing to sell yet. Uh, we just want your feedback as a, as a CISO, as a security leader, as a control system engineer in, in, in manufacturing, for example. And uh, almost over a year, uh, we were on the road Talking to people and 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 discussing where they were in terms of security for their uh, control system networks and industrial networks, and um, and what we learned is basically at that time we, I, I was you know I'm an engineer and security guy so I was all about detections and I wanted to build a detection to detect uh, things like uh, Stuxnet you know the uh, attack uh, what occurred in Iran on the centrifuge uh, things and. It was a big thing at the time, and it was, oh, well, we are going to build a product to detect that. And what we learned after that year of conversation and interviews is that basically people don't even have an inventory. And so the first thing we should do is to get a <laughs> list of the asset, the list of devices that were connected on the network. That was the basic first thing they need to start something because they have networks that are so huge. Uh, you, you know, just to paint a car, to paint a car, you need ten thousand IP addresses. Ten thousand uh, to manage a roadway uh, or highway in a U.S. state, you may need something like one hundred thousand IP addresses for road sensors, uh, security cameras, uh, payment system, uh, digital signage. You no know, more and more uh, coming in, in to be deployed. So. I mean, the network was so huge that even the, an inventory uh, and not sending someone doing an Excel spreadsheet by end was something for for them. So yeah, it, it's it's a process you have to follow in order to discover the need of your customer and not be yeah to to uh, to be open to ask open question and understand where they are, what are their current pain points, and not push your uh, willingness to build the greatest technology that may come later, but start by where 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 people are and, and try to solve. Yeah, so let let's start. Uh, and
1: that, I, I love that uh, kind of the, that view into how you think about uh, building something and, and understanding what you're trying to build. Uh, th- this article. That you wrote. It's on uh, Substack, and we'll include the link to it through, through LinkedIn and whatnot. But it's unlocking the secrets of the cybersecurity product teams, and you, you you start off with looking at founders, which you were in the case you just described, and uh, having having a fairy tale view of of what you want to accomplish, which. Um, as you describe in the article, it has limits, right? Fairy tale has limits. What, what can you actually do? What's feasible? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, to your point, you just described the fairy tale may not be what's going to sell at the box office, right? <laughs> you yeah. have to know what, what people are interested in. And, and then you get into what is the product and, and the team that, that's responsible for building it. So, tell me a little bit about the, the impetus behind writing this piece. What was the driver? Who who were you trying to reach with it, and what were you trying to uh, hopefully instill with, into them as a as a call to action or, or learning, perhaps?
2: Sure, we we you know I I launched um, three months ago that Cyber Builders uh, substack in order to share some insights uh, about how you build a. Product security, uh, a, a product uh, cybersecurity company, uh, or, or you build a, a cybersecurity program at a kind of a, any any kind of business. Uh, because I, I really feel that it's really a building process. So I wanted to be able to share uh, insights and feedback, etc. And um, when I discussed that with some of my uh, peer entrepreneurs, uh, one of them said to me, "Well." Uh, uh, it's it's ah oh, no it's it's much more difficult than when we were a team of ten people because uh, I, I had that vision for the product and, and no no one really understand it and uh, and uh, I'm still the CEO of the company but I, I cannot execute my vision because I have a larger team and 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 people don't get where we need to go and and they should listen to me etc. So I say yeah well <laughs> it's it's basically something, maybe is missing uh, what the product role is within a product-based company, uh, because basically when you start and you grow up in uh, your company, you, you end up with no one really owning the product role in your business. It, it could be because at the beginning you have the CEO who is, and the CTO, they, they are meeting every day and they, they really collaborate and they, they, they share the vision of the product. But when the company is growing, uh, at some point, the CEO become the, the sales uh, guy uh, looking for uh, selling the product and, and and raising funds. And on the other end, the CTO has probably 10, 20, 30, maybe 50 engineers to manage. And he end up to be a, a people manager first and, and, and implementing quality processes and, and uh, engineering uh, um, practice. And so the product is the orphan of that because uh, if they don't hire a a CPO, a chief product officer, no one is really owning the the product role. So I wrote that piece because I wanted to explain that, hey, first, you should have someone in your company that is really the product manager of your product or the chief product officer, but then uh, you you need to understand it's a very hard uh, job uh, because in security, it's not easy as Probably in many other on other business because you need to understand the security uh, processes. You need to understand the uh, what the what kind of security your product can deliver. Uh, and if you're new in that role and new in the security industry, uh, you may end up saying things like, "Oh, my product is going to protect you against any threat or any things, etc." And you end up with. Marketing crap, <laughs> if I if I may say, uh, that some companies are still saying, and most of the security practitioners are, are very uh, fed up with because they, everyone knows that the product is not here to solve everything. It's not a magic wand. It, it's something that, in part of your defense strategy, it's provide you some value, and the product manager need really to champion that to understand where he can position his stuff in order to really deliver value and not oversell it to the security practitioner who are the customer of that product. Because if not, the, the sales and, the, and all the people behind the, the product manager will, will not really be able to be successful because they, yeah, security people would say, oh no, j- just another marketing claim and, and I don't trust uh, this, this uh, product company.
1: Yeah, it's a great point. And and I often look back at uh, my time when I was responsible for building uh, the big yellow company's SIM product. And uh, so many things come to mind just on this point where the the whole idea at the time, uh, I had a vision of what SOAR is today, right? So kind of this whole orchestration of yeah. You have all this stuff going on and, and there's some level of automation to help you help you uh, manage it all because you can't you can't hire all the people to do it. So that was kind of like my my grand vision. Technology wasn't in a state that allowed that to happen, right? You're we, we were tied to uh OpenLDAP and and MySQL and, and a bunch of technologies that were complex, didn't scale well. You had to get licenses for this stuff and and installing it and deploying it was a real pain. So there was that whole part of it, which we'll leave aside for the moment. But once we delivered something, um, getting it to work in the environment was a whole other different, a whole other ball of wax. And when I'm talking about not, not just the configuration, but I'm talking about um, the real operations. It I don't know how many times we got requests and, and feedback that I could use this, but I'm missing a dashboard. I'm missing reporting. I'm missing missing how I connect this to the rest of the business. And yes, it had all the security bits, but lacked a lot in the operational bits. Yeah. And um, and some of that was UX as well. So talk to me a little bit about uh, some of those points in, in the PC road where, again, you, you have a clear understanding maybe what's needed from a security perspective, but missed the mark on, on some of the other stuff. And where does that land? Is it engineering? Is it product? Is it business? Who helps drive some of that stuff?
2: Well, I I think you, you, you're touching a very good point is a a product is really about the experience you are, the user is going to have with that product. And uh, if it's super hard to install, if it's super hard to operate, if it takes um, too much click uh, to get the value of the data you want, there won't be any adoptions. And basically, it won't be a success. And it's even more important nowadays that any, any product today is a SaaS product sold as a subscription. Back in the day, when you and I were younger, uh, you were selling licenses and the great things with licenses is that you can sell a license and run <laughs> and, and and go to the next customer because you are asking him to pay a big check <laughs> for the license I, I'm I'm trying to be honest here but <laughs> and 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 probably many software vendors at that time does not really care about all um, oh, the product is going to be used and they had some uh, system integrators to take care of the customer um, uh, and, and so you, you sell a big check, and you come back five years later when, when the, you need to, uh, to sell an, another license for a new product. No, everything is a subscription, uh, and everything being uh, kind of a land and expand sales tactic, meaning you, you start selling. Uh, for example, if you, have, you are selling by a seat of, of user, uh, you, you start selling a few seats, and then you, you come back, uh, take care of the customer success, which is another new role as well in the product company, uh, you must be sure that the the product itself is easy to install, easy to deploy, easy to connect to the rest of your IT systems. Uh, It delivers uh, value very quick. Uh, That's why one of the jargon kind of thing you, you, you will always hear about is time to value. How much time does it take to get some value out of the product? And basically, in 2023, it should be two minutes and not two weeks as 20 years before. Uh, so that, that's, I, I think, very, uh, very uh, important to get is um, look at how fast you can uh, empower your user with some yeah value out of the product and not just um, uh, think that because you have the greatest technology, it, they it, they will go for it and and they, they will use it.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, there was kind of looking back in time, and I'm sure it's very different now. I haven't built products in a few years, but, um, and we talked briefly about this uh, before we started recording. I can't, I lost count of how many reorganizations uh, I experienced. Moving from a technical product manager to a business product manager to a marketing product manager to a customer facing product manager and, and obviously the market facing as well. And I think having, I don't know, there was always one person that kind of led uh, depending on who is at the top of the pyramid <laughs> at each point in the, in the time. But it it almost seemed like that was just one person and they had a a a special lean on how or a special view on how things were to happen and they weren't supported necessarily by multiple people under them uh to kind of bring all those different views under one umbrella because i know you in your in your uh, document you have the technical marketing role as part of the product and um I think uh, those to me were probably sales engineers back in the day um maybe now they're more system integrators, customer success I don't know how how do how do small startups even i mean i was I was at a big company where resources were not endless but certainly more plentiful than than a startup <clears throat> that kind of bootstrapping thing so how how do security companies Today, kind of get those multiple views um, with with limited
2: resources. Yeah, I, I think at least uh, they need to make sure that they, they they have a clear understanding of who is uh, at the the role of the product manager, and uh, and really the first thing they need to make sure is that the product manager who is at the 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 the, the cross uh, road of user user experience uh, technology and business and uh, and the product manager should not be uh, someone just to manage the roadmap of the product he should not really look only at the at the product itself but really at the at the product as a product line of business and uh, and really ma- make sure that he he manages the the growth and and the success of of its product um, Airbnb recently uh, had uh, just announced, I guess, over the last uh, week, uh, that they they are mixing uh, what they used to call product managers and and product marketing, uh, because uh, they they want one guy, one person to be in charge of the product vision and roadmap, but also of the business metrics of, of that product. and And I think that's very uh, uh, very uh, interesting because you you. You cannot be only the uh, delivery guy that just looking at uh, delivering new features and and just counting new features without really understanding the impact of these features in the product. Are they really used? Are they helping to grow, sell more subscription, etc.? And so I think that yeah, product manager is really uh, one key role in any type of organization, startups or, or, or larger company. Uh, and then you really have the uh, what I call product marketing in the um, in the uh, in the article, but it, which is more about the uh, promotion of the, of the product itself. Or are you able to provide all the collateral to the sales force in order for them to be able to sell it? And uh, because you need uh, you need PowerPoint decks, you need uh, user testimonial, you need uh, use cases, uh, you need webinars, you need uh, events, uh, you need well, tons of things, and that's really are the uh, product marketing roles. And basically, if you look at where these two big roles are are sitting in an organization, I would say that product by itself should be reporting at kind of a CPO-level guy, uh, uh, really a C-level leader. Uh, And the product marketing really depends. I mean, as you said, sometimes it's the same CPO, Sometimes it's the sales leader. Uh, it, it really depends um, what is the culture of the company and what are the type of product they, they have. There is companies where sales are very um, uh, localized, I would say, per country or per uh, territory. And, uh, and, and that makes them uh, uh, selling tons of different products. In that case, maybe the product organization is really owning uh, the product thing and and, and sales are per uh, geography. Uh, sometimes it's quite different because uh, they want sales wants to be able to adapt uh, all the product marketing collateral to their home country because there is some regulation. For example, you know in Europe we have GDPR. Uh, you don't have in the US. Uh, you have the NIST uh, security framework. We we have. Uh, the uh, EU uh, Resilience Act, which are two different set of regulation, uh, so maybe you want to really adapt your marketing per region, and in that case, makes more sense to have product marketing people uh, in, in the geographies. It really depends of your your your, your cybersecurity business. Security is a is a quite wide uh, topic uh, with many kind of uh, products and and. And, and people using them and etc. So it's, it's hard to have a, a one-size-fits-all kind of answer here. Yeah, and I, I think, and
1: I'll kind, of, I'll kind of use something that I talk about on this show quite often um, from an operational perspective where I think security has an opportunity to not just come in and say what you built as a business, can be secured this way, right? So you, you've deployed that product with these APIs connected to these services using this data set. We now have these security controls to kind of mitigate all that exposure and risk. That's kind of the after the thought uh, view of that. And where I'm, I'm saying security teams can actually help define how the business is architected and built and deployed and maintained so Reducing exposure and not killing the team in uh, yeah. responding to stuff because you didn't didn't build it quote unquote right in the first place. So I think product marketing or product the product owner has the same opportunity here. Um, looking at well, kind of to your point, what are the what are the market requirements for this? Not just customer requirements. What are the market requirements? What are the regulatory requirements? What are the operational requirements? What are they? da 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 list of requirements. The challenge is then kind of consolidating those, uh, pulling them together in a cohesive story and strategy. And you mentioned the word roadmap.
2: How, how do you deliver it all, <laughs> right? Eventually. Yeah, and, uh, and, and and you should also look at um, integration of your product into other systems. Um, right. I, I was at RSA uh, back in April, and there was some talks about many security products people have deployed in their network. And and the people were talking about 70, 80, 100 security products for one company. And so the the person who has all that products to use, uh, he wants to make sure he leverages his investment when he adds one more to the stack. Uh, Because if he had one more and this is a silo uh, and the data are not Shared and uh, and the UI is very different than others and uh, and and it takes yet another training. Uh, it's very hard for him to really be successful using it. So I think yeah, the marketing is also about well all this is connecting to the, your uh, operation, uh, your practice, uh, your regulation, your other products uh, in IT system or security, the, the whole thing the customer has and. As I always argue, it's most of the time with the founders, a meeting of, of startups is don't look at things from your own point of view. Look at things from them point, their point of view. It's, it's, not, it's not about you. Uh, it's about uh, your customer and, uh, and the kind of issue he has or she has, uh, and not really about uh, your great uh, technology you build uh, if, you, if you want to be, to be successful. And and, um, and and that's why in my my uh, Substack article I, I argue argue also about what I call uh, output-based uh, metrics and uh, and driving by output and not uh, outcome sorry uh, driving by outcome not by output because what I've seen tons of time is um, you know you have some VP or leaders uh, say well hey, guys, uh, we want to be successful, so let's build a great product. And basically, he don't really understand, and and it's not his job in the company to understand the in and outs of what would be the great product. He just wants the team to be productive and and, uh, he's investing a lot in salaries and and funding the team, so he wants to get an outcome of it. Uh, But as he don't really know, what he says, is he's trying to manage it using output based metrics like number of features uh, delivered uh, number of uh, user story and you know in, in engineering we do uh, user story points uh, which are uh, uh, it's just a metric to compare things it's it not does not have any value but uh, some uh, engineering leaders or VPs, SVPs could say, oh, no, I want more, so give me more. Uh, you will be better if you give me more. Where on the contrary, if he were looking at outcome, he would look at his own business metrics and put that in front of the uh, product team um, uh, KPI and, and, um, and evaluation. Like, well, guys, I want, for example, to grow my user base of X percent this year. Uh, I want this net new uh, revenue in my, in, for my company. Uh, and I don't care if you deliver 10 more features or just one. At some point, if I'm reaching my business metric, we are fine. We, you don't need to end up in a uh, uh, never-ending uh, building loop. And that's why I'm also quoting this book. I, 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 I'm loving, and I, I have it on my uh uh, bed shelf, and, and I'm looking at it every day. Almost is escaping the build trap, and uh, I, Melissa uh, Perry, the, the author, is, is advocating for escaping that build trap. Where we have an issue, let's build more. We have an issue, let's build more feature, and, and at the end, you end up with kind of Frankenstein product. That basically they they have tons of features, maybe used by one user, and. The, the, the pain you have at that time is you will never escape that because there is always one customer, and most of the time one big customer, that if you say, oh, I'm going to kill this one, he will say, no, 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 I'm using it and I have, I'm have i doing millions of dollars with you, so you won't kill this one. And I, I don't care if I'm the only user of that feature. It's great for me, so you keep you keep developing it, maintaining it, etc So I think you should be very lean in the way you, you, you create your roadmap, and you manage your product, and always look at the the outcome-based metrics I'm talking about, because probably less is more in in, in, in such contexts.
1: Yeah, I love that example. And um, yeah, the build trap. Uh, that's a new term for me, but uh, I, I've seen it, where even uh, big government entities, even if it's a lot of, not a lot of money, it's the name, right? The name yeah. on the, or the logo on, on the sales deck or the marketing deck that uh, let's be honest, provides value right to selling to the next, to the next customer. But um, yeah, some off the wall, weird networking environment that you're trying to support has that one feature there that, that kind of holds you hostage as a, as a company. Yeah. And so, if if you if you start off being held hostage, it, it's hard to break break free of that, from my experience anyway, from what I've seen yeah. and been and, involved and, with.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I have one story to share on that is uh, in my uh, first company, I was I was a CTO there. Uh, we had uh, very large uh, governmental entities and uh, public uh, companies in in France and Canada, and. Um, and by they, they had uh, contradictory uh, requests. So for example, we, I, I remember we, we, should, we were adding an authentication feature. And one was willing to get this from the VPN certificate, and the other wants to uh, have an SSO agent. And, and the third one was yet another thing and I don't remember. Uh, and it was always uh, a balance between the usage of the authentication and the level of security that it will bring. And uh, basically, if we were looking at all the requests coming from sales, uh, the sales, uh, it would have filled all our engineering for a year. And I said, well, it's not possible. We should not do redundant things just because it's coming from three big customers. So I said to the sales leader, I said, let's meet with them. And we are going to do one thing is to put all of them in the same room. And I've done one slide. Uh, basically, the x axis was uh, uh, security level, and the y axis was uh, UX, just to show them that it was a trade-off uh, between the two. Um, and then I, the dot uh, was uh, each customers, and then the magic happened because they started to realize that well they were not aligned, and uh, they started to say oh. And um, I, I, I maybe we should discuss. Or I understand the burden for you. And and after two hours of conversation, we had only one feature to develop, and I solved uh, almost uh, uh, yeah ta- hundreds of thousands of euros just with that meeting. So it was easy to do. But that's the kind of acts or. Tricks you need to you need to go through in order to save uh, time. It's just yeah, talking to people and let them understand what 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 they are asking for, and sometimes trying to escape that that build trap in advance. Uh, it, it it really happens. Yeah. So how about we we switch this slightly
1: because I'm I'm thinking about uh, a lot of security leaders and practitioners that are listening to this. And saying it's interesting how how companies build products and how they get their requirements and how they prioritize and maybe make decisions. Um, your experience, uh, especially now, speaking to a lot of startups, uh, where you see a lot of messaging and positioning and and uh, well pitching for investment money, but uh, ultimately those translate into pitches for sales from customers. What I want is your your perspective on what to look for. Maybe you can start with the the investor lens. What what are some signs of companies that kind of get what they need to do? They understand what the role of product is uh, in the bigger picture. And then perhaps how that translates for organizations looking to buy new products and they're looking to uh, advanced tech companies, startup companies that that are doing something cool, but they don't want to make a mistake investing in somebody that's missing that big product picture, even though it sounds good in the product marketing spins. So yeah, but it's a big question in two, two, yeah, two yeah. lenses. But uh, maybe some thoughts on that. I'll share I, mine as well. But.
2: Yeah, I have. I, I'm. I i do not pretend to have a the secret source of what everyone is looking for. Um, what What I would say is. Um, Especially for the people working at industrial and I mean any end user company and, and, and cust- my, my, my dear customers, I would say, is really to start sharing uh, their pain, uh, their issues, uh, what, what are the problems they want to solve, and not jump directly to the solution. To really make sure that uh, there is a clear understanding about what need to be solved, uh, what are the issues, what, is the, what are the drivers uh, behind that issue? Is it a, a new regulation? Is it an integration problem? Is it um, uh, another IT project because, I don't know, you want to deploy a new uh, uh, type of laptops or a new type of network, or I don't know. Uh, really provide all the background needed uh, and, and share that with your, uh, the, the people you are talking to because most of the time, the people you are talking to, what they are going to do, is to try to take notes of that and then go back internally to the product manager. And that product manager would try to do his own synthesis and then go back to the product engineering uh, people, the software engineering people. And so each time someone is talking to someone else, basically you are losing some data, you are losing the quality of the signal. And you end up with uh, the software engineering uh, people being told, "Hey, we must do that. If not, we are losing the customer." Uh, which what what the customer probably never said, but that's the way it is presented. And then um, the the they, they are presented the solution because in the process everyone wants to add his own views and 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 jump into the solution. Like I don't know, added this feature or or uh, extending to this kind of protocol or this kind of standard, I, I don't know. And uh, if you provide really the, 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 the background, the drivers, the issues, the problems you are trying to solve, and best you do that uh, by writing, writing them, then you have much more chance that the, the information won't be lost along, along the way. And the software engineer will receive your Word document, where clearly you explain what you are trying to solve. And you say, oh, that's easy. It take me two hours to code that and just add maybe two buttons or two fields in the database, and, and then you're done. And, um, and that's something I've seen many, many times, where basically at the end of the, the process, the, what we've done is to say to the engineer who basically don't want too much to talk to the customer because they are afraid of it, say, well, you are going to talk directly to the customers. Uh, we, we are organizing that meeting. And uh, I, I just read last week uh, a post from uh, Palantir, you know, the, the big uh, information data mining company, and they have a concept name. It's Forward Deploy Engineering. Where, what they, where they do is they put... Uh, 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 helmets and uh, anti-bullet kind of uh, vest to their engineer, send them with the military they are serving, and, and try to learn from the military uh, on the field. And, and but it's it's very extreme. Uh, okay. But it's just to illustrate that idea of, well, really, make sure that you don't lose uh, what is the most precious, which are the, the pains you are trying to solve. And really make sure that yeah, product sales understand it, product manager understand it, and software engineer get the right the right, um, the right uh, outcome uh, at the end.
1: Yeah, uh, literally in the trenches. <laughs> the yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So another thing that that comes to mind is because um, we're talking about engineering here and putting them in with with the customer. Um, another thing I experienced is overzealous uh, architecture and overzealous design where uh, you want the you want the perfect base on which to build um, which could take a long time but then also make it so complex unless unless reducing complexity is part of the design but it can make it a lot very complex to where adding new things or responding to market changes or customer changes or threat changes, whatever changes coming your way, um, makes it very difficult to respond quickly. So kind of back to your outcome point, uh, how, how important is it to be nimble and not over, overdo some things uh, that can maybe hold you back in the future?
2: It's uh... (laughs) a, It's a never-ending question, I guess, um, it, and very, very hard because um, for sure, I mean, um, great team uh, ship. So at some point, you need to ship your software, and uh, you, you never, ever will have uh, one year or two year just to re-architecture uh, it perfectly. So it's it just that that is another fairy tale that engineer likes to hear, but they, it never happened because there is customers, they want to, to have some uh, uh, increment of, of value and, and getting new things and solving their issues. So the, the perfect architecture don't really exist. On the other end, well, if you don't have that kind of thinking about uh, the architecture you want to build and along the way, uh, uh, maybe um, having, let's say, 20% of your workload uh, uh, reserved to improving your architecture, solving what software engineers used to call um, technical depth, uh, which are the, the thing you, 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 you put uh, on, on, the, on the back of your, your backlog, and, and, and you need to solve them in order not to be uh, pulled back each time you try to bring something new. Uh, You you won't, I mean, if you don't do that, you you won't be successful as well. And um, to to give you an example on my own experience, uh, one of the things we've done since the beginning uh, in the Centrio product was to uh, cut uh, the part that is doing some protocol analysis and the part that was doing uh, the um, uh, data mining of this data, the, the way we... Uh, we we look at uh, the kind of messages and uh, uh, vulnerabilities and all these things. And these two parts were in two uh, different components of our software stack, which was an architectural um, uh, design we took at day one, uh, part of the overall vision. And it ended up the reason why Cisco uh, bought the company. I mean. Uh, they, they wanted to integrate that that first part, the, the protocol analysis and scanning capacity we have, directly into the networking architecture. So it it was lightwave. It runs on only one core of a small ARM uh, CPU. So I mean the architecture uh, design payoff on on the long term, but it's 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 hard to do that. I mean it's most of the time you you encounter things you 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 discover that along the way and you need to re-architecture as well. So it's, I, I don't, I don't have a perfect answer there. It's always a kind of a trade-off. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think th- there's never one answer, right? Because as you're, as you're talking, I was thinking, would, would do, you, do you make a big bet on something that's has a potential, huge payoff, but takes a lot of investment? Or do you try incremental things and, and try to find the one, I like think we've seen we've seen it all and everywhere in between, right? Where, depending, yeah, it, on, the, it, it, depending on the scenario, the situation, you, you end up with different things. No,
2: and 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 I mean, engineers need to remind that basically, if they are working in a startup, they are working in a company that has a pile of cash, and each mm-hmm. month it's decreasing. <laughs> so, uh, their their job is to build something that makes the cash goes up and not down. Yeah. Uh, just to survive, because if not, they, they are closing the company and they, everyone goes uh, elsewhere. So, I mean, that's kind of trade-off that everyone needs to to make and uh, and be honest and and uh, open with the others, saying, well, this could be great, but it will take extra six months, or so maybe later, or maybe we can split it in two or three parts, and I do this part now and and the rest after. So, yeah. It's, uh, it's it's it should be a conversation between the the team and not just engineering. Uh, I mean, product managers as well, CEOs and and the founders uh, need to be part of that because if not, they they don't really understand what is happening, and at the end, they, they end up with yeah, yet another frankenstein product. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I love
1: the the runway analogy uh, for that because it is it is a runway, right? You you want exactly. to. You want the plane to take off before the end of the runway, but you also want it to keep flying, not just crash in the water. And you don't want that plane to be a Frankenstein either. Right? He mm-hmm. knows what it's going to look like when it when it starts to starts to fly. Well, Laurent, it's been uh, it's been fun. I, we we touched on a few points in the article. Uh, of course, I would encourage everybody to uh, to read through it. It's it's much more structured, perhaps than, <laughs> than my uh, than my rambling and moving us around through today's conversation but uh, I really enjoyed this and brings back some some memories good and bad and uh, and some examples from you uh, which were super cool to hear as well so thank you uh, thank you Uh, love to have you on again we can talk talk different uh, different points in bringing products to market and and seeing them succeed and investments and and uh, yeah customer success I mean so many things we can talk about so Hopefully, you'll we'll come on again at some
2: point. And we can keep chatting. Yeah, with great pleasure, Shen. Thanks for uh, having me, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm i definitely uh, happy to come back. Lovely,
1: lovely. And thanks everybody for for listening. Hope you enjoyed this, and and uh, please check out uh, Valance, uh post and connect with him on LinkedIn. And stay tuned for for more episodes here on Redefining Cybersecurity.
0: Thanks everybody. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends